You're listening to the 1% Factor Podcast with Coach Shakina, where I talk about how small changes and insights can have the greatest impact over time. Whether it's in life or business, you'll learn principles and strategies that when implemented will help you grow your business and design a lifestyle that's in alignment with who you are and fuels your purpose, passion, and vision. Today, I am here with special guest, Brian Clayton. So what's up, Brian? How are you today? I'm great, Shakina. Thanks for having me on your show. All right, cool. I'm glad to have you. You know, last time you and I spoke, um, spoke, I don't know if that's a word, but <laughs> last time you and I had a conversation, we talked a little bit about your journey, um, you know, and all the things that you had to go through. Now, you have a very interesting background, and I want you to share, um, at least starting out, you know, who are you, what do you do, and who do you help type of a thing? Yeah, so... My name is Brian Clayton. I am CEO and co-founder of a company called GreenPal. And so GreenPal is kind of like the Uber, but for lawn mowing. So if you're a homeowner and you need to get your lawn mowed, rather than calling around on Craigslist or Facebook or Yelp, you can just download our app, pop in your address, and you'll get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service in less than a couple of minutes. Been at the business for eight or nine years. I guess you could say we're like a nine-year overnight success. My two co-founders and I have been working on building the company from scratch, uh, bootstrapped all our entire way through, haven't raised any outside money, and uh, have got the app uh, over two or 300,000 people using it to get their grass cut and doing multiple eight figures a year in revenue. So it started off really humbly, but but now we've got a good, profitable, growing marketplace going. And uh, glad, glad we stuck with it because it's actually getting to be a lot of fun running the business now. Uh, before GreenPal, I actually had a lawn mowing business. I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. And uh, I was actually forced to mow my first yard by my dad. Uh, he said, get off your butt. You got a job to do. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. Luckily, he did that because uh, I was just struck. Uh, I was like bit by the entrepreneurial bug after I mowed my first yard. I, I never looked back. I've always just been in business for myself. Matter of fact, I stuck with that lawn mowing business for like 15 years and grew it to one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live, getting it over 100 people, over uh, $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, the business was acquired uh, by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. So after that, I kind of retired. I got bored. I thought, okay, well, now I want to do the next thing. What's that going to be? So the idea for Green Power was one that I had and uh, recruited two co-founders and we started working on it. That's pretty cool. So you said a lot in that com- in just that short period of time, which is <laughs> it's awesome. I'm 20, <laughs> 22 years of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Two businesses. Like in so, yeah. two, three minute conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but wow, like what a hell of a journey, right? So you had... You, again, my father used to make me cut grass too, but I'm from Florida. I'm a girl. I wasn't doing that. Like at you know, as a teenager, I just wasn't doing it. But um, it's <laughs> like hot. You guys, yeah, it, man, look and mosquitoes and oh, bugs. Yeah. It just wasn't happening. <laughs> um, but you got started really early. So your father made you cut the grass, and there's something about that that kind of cat, you know, just kind of catapulted you into the at least thinking about a like a, a business owner, right? That's right. So yeah. You were cutting everybody's grass. You were doing your thing. And how did you how did you switch? How did you make that, um, you know, switch from just cutting grass to running it on your own? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny, like the the journey of, of business ownership and entrepreneurship, it, it certainly evolves over time. And and it, you definitely you kind of grow with the business. You grow with the, the journey. You grow with the evolution. So in the early days, you know, day one, 
It was, I loved it because I didn't have to hit my parents up for cash anymore. It was like, this is incredible. There was, I remember there was a pair of soccer cleats I wanted to buy that were like $90. And, and back in the nineties, that was outrageous. And I was wearing the $15 cleats. I didn't like the $15 cleats. I wanted the hundred dollar cleats that everybody else had. And so for me, it was just a no brainer. like, I can go work for four or five hours, make the money I want. And then I can, I can go buy the things I want. So like that connection and business ownership was just a real clear connection that I made really early on in my journey. And then, so as time goes on, like that evolves, then I start to see, well, as I was in college and I was in business school and I was, and I was starting start to see like, this could be my lane in life. This could be the thing that, that could cause me to level up and grow and take me places that a typical job just wouldn't. And, uh, and so that started to make sense to me. And then when I got like two or three helpers and then five employees, 10, then I started to realize, wow, this, this thing is actually bigger than me. It's bigger than myself. I'm actually piloting this business. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and now these people are, are, uh, are reliant upon me to make the right decisions and do the right things. And so that took on a bigger meaning. And then, uh, and, and, and then when I grew it to, you know, eight figures in revenue, it, 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 uh, there was, I was hiring managers that were hiring people. So that was another level. It's almost like a video game. You know, you kind of work your way through the levels and, uh, that's how it unfolded for me, you know, over a 12, 13 year period of time. That's, that's how it, how it felt looking back, you know, that, granted there was a lot of ups and downs and, and in the first business and in the second one too, but I feel like, you know, it can be one of the most interesting things that you dedicate your life to is getting a business going. Yeah, I definitely agree with you because there's always a journey that goes along with that, right? So there is um, the fledgling stage where you're, you're new, you got all these ideas, you're trying to get things in place, right? And you're motivated by whatever you're motivated that's kind of fuel, fueling you to kind of move forward. Right. So you went from, you know, doing this thing on your own to actually managing a team to running a multi-figure, multi-figure, you know, figure million dollar business to a billion dollar business. And like now you're like the Uber for lawnmowers. Right. <laughs> so which is I, I love that phrasing. But um, I, I can imagine and, and you were bootstrapping, like you said. So a lot of it was, you know, trial and error. Right. Yeah, so exactly what what was one of those? Can you name something that you went through that was especially hard for you to um, deal with? And then how did you overcome that? Yeah, building GreenPal was a thousand times harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, what I didn't understand, so I'm going from like a blue collar entrepreneur, uh, you know, running a very traditional type of business, hand to hand combat, uh, very much like uh, in the weeds, in the trenches, literally. And, uh, so I sold that and here, I think I know everything there is to know about business. I, you know, I was like, well, I, you know, shoot, I just did that. I can do this. This will be easy. And I didn't understand there's a big difference between running a, running a business and then inventing a brand new product. And so those are almost two different things. They almost aren't even the same game. So let's say you want to start a restaurant, a construction company, a home cleaning service, a lawn care service, like what I had that's going to be really hard. You're going to have to like get it going from scratch. You're going to have to like wear all the hats. You're going to do the marketing, all the operations, you know, physical execution of services in the early days. And that's tough. But then like an order of magnitude more challenging is I want to invent a brand new product that nobody has ever used and nobody understands how to use. And uh, I want to solve a new a problem in a, in a new, unique way. And I didn't understand like how different those were. And I was confronted with that uh, in the first year, two years with, uh, wow, there's no roadmap for this. We're having to figure it out as we go. 
And really the only kind of guiding like light that we had was just customer feedback. We, we would focus on like, okay, we got this crappy app that we have like cobbled together. Let's just get 10 people to use it. And then let's talk to every one of them that will talk to us. And let's try to get a hundred people to use it. And let's talk to all of them. And it's kind of rinse and repeat doing that over and over again, using the feedback from users to guide us and what we we're doing was kind of how we got through the first year, two, three years. Um, and uh, it should sound like obvious, but but I didn't know to do it that way. Most entrepreneurs don't do it that way. And really kind of using that user feedback to guide you through the early days is something that I learned early on was what got us through that, that hard period. Yeah, being an innovator is definitely much different than actually running a business that somebody else has done before you. Um, I know quite a number of innovators where it, it you're, you're creating something that hasn't been seen before. Like you said, there's no roadmap. You don't have any guidance. There's really nobody that can help you unless they've done it right. themselves. Um, and you have your trial and error, but the best possible thing that you can do is get that feedback from your customers. So I'm glad that was part of it and you were able to, you know, pivot and change with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging. And, and it's like, not to, not to make it more than what it is, but we were, we are, and were on the outer edge of what, people had ever done. Nobody ever pushed a button and summoned a long guy. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds simple. And especially in 2021, you know, you would think with things like DoorDash, Uber, Airbnb, Postmates, Instacart, this stuff's normal. But even today, like when you hire a lawn care service, there is a million problems that can go wrong. You know, his equipment got stolen. The equipment broke down. He's stuck in traffic. Kids sick. He's sick. She's sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no key to the back gate to get in. They let the dog out. Uh, they hit a rock and it, and it put a ding in the car. Uh, like literally, or he flat out just didn't feel like working that day. Or he, he, you know, he misquoted it. The grass is too tall. Like there's literally a hundred things that can go wrong. Yeah. And so it's like, solving those things with technology is, is what we do. And, you know, there's a hundred things that go wrong when you hire somebody to, to deliver your groceries, but Instacart has solved those problems. We're situated in a similar fashion. It's just taken us a decade to figure it out. Yeah, so that's actually pretty cool. Cause when I think about that, I think of, cause again, I'm a Floridian. So I'm thinking of the elderly population in Florida where they can just push a button to get that done. Exactly. Um, yeah. Florida's to, a big market for us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because they're aging, right. Um, empty nesters, people are, aren't home, kids are out doing their own thing. And, you know, mom and dad are getting up there in years. They're not cutting grass in 184 degree weather. They're just not doing it. <laughs> or or here, here's something we see a lot. The stubborn old man is doing it. And like the son or daughter that lives in Seattle or Washington, D.C. is ordering the services for them. Mm-hmm. We see that a lot, too. That's kind imagine. of funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. It's cool to see that. Or like the um, the elderly man waiting for his son to come by every couple of weeks just to cut the grass or something like that. And he doesn't show or maybe, maybe not. But that's that's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> that happens. It's, and it's awesome to be a part of that. <laughs> so you've had, again, lots of trial and error, lots of bootstrapping, um, no outside funding. You did say that. So how did you manage? Because there's got to be a money mindset thing that goes along with that, right? Um, especially when you do something new. And you hadn't owned a business before then, correct? It was just you trying to build this thing up from your ideas and whatever help you can get. So how were you pulling in the funds for that? Yeah, it's, to your point, it's really, really challenging um, self-funding a company that doesn't have any way to make money. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. It's kind of like chicken egg problems. Like I need to make money to make money. I don't have any money. Um, and so on the one hand, you know, raising funding can make it a lot easier 
um, and can make your life a lot easier and can allow you to move quicker. But on the other hand, it can also be the thing that causes you to, to never succeed. Um, the, the simple adage necessity is the mother of invention is so true when it comes to building a new product, because if you go raise a bunch of a capital from angel investors or maybe even VCs, it causes you to be sloppy and it causes you to not really identify the core problems that you're trying to solve. And it really causes you to lose focus, you know, rather than like going out, like the first thing we did was pass out flyers, hundreds of thousands of flyers and try to get people to do that. You know, rather than doing that to hustle up your first thousand customers, you're doing stuff like what's our branding strategy what's the culture tone gonna be what uh uh, we need to look at like hiring a pr firm and all this stuff that does not matter yeah that stuff matters at certain stages of the game but like when you're just trying to go from like zero to one you got to get 100 customers you got to get a thousand customers and a lot of times if you raise funding it kind of problems where funding can really be like a, like a steroid is you're an experienced operator. You've done this two or three times before you've got the scars uh, you're on second or third base. Now you know how to move really quick and you can put, you know, half a million, a million, $10 million to work and, and, and spit out 10 times that that's where, you know, magical things happen. The reality is that's that that's usually not the case. And if somebody had given me $10 million in 2013, I'd have wasted 99% of it. <laughs> and uh, so it worked out well for us, you know, self-funding was the way to go for us. You know, we've now got a profitable business doing 20 something million dollars a year in revenue. We own a hundred percent of it. There's like three line items on our cap table and that's a good place to be. Uh, and, and also in a graveyard of, of competitors who all raise capital and they just tried to go too fast. And, and it, it was kind of like the analogy I use is like attaching rocket boosters to the side of a barn and it just blows apart because it's not ready for that, that uh, rocket fuel yet. Yep. So that's, that's been our experience now, you know, Am I anti-fundraising? No, but I still think it's a bad bet for most entrepreneurs. Well, starting out, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and, and like you said, simplicity. A lot of business owners make it way more complicated getting started than they need to, right? They have all these ideas. They want to go after 20 ideas versus, you know, focusing on one, maybe even two. But um, they have to, they think, they're thinking about things way ahead of their time before they're even ready to get there. Right? Exactly. So they're, you know, focus on your product, focus on getting your clients and then pivot and change and adjust as you need to as you move on. But, you know, a lot of newbies, they're like firm culture. Right. They're talking about, you know, what <laughs> the color of their, their new office. What kind be. of ping pong table we're going to buy. <laughs> right. Uh, do we go with kind bars or cliff bars? Uh, <laughs> you know, this stuff doesn't matter. And yeah. really, like if you're if you're an entrepreneur, one of the only uh things you have to your advantage is focus. You can focus intensely on one or two things and bet the company on those one or two things. Whereas your big established like, like players can't do that. And so that's what you have at, 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 as a strength is you can like focus you and your co-founders uh, bandwidth on just one or two things and really execute well and learn, rinse and repeat, do that over and over again. And then like, once you get to level metaphorically three, four or five, you worry about these other things that you thought you should have been worrying about on level one or two, which you, which don't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you said focus, because like you said, new people, new business owners, they have that. And that's one of the advantages they have over people who've been in the business for an extended period of time. Right. Because it's, you know, once you get to like level three, four and five, they're worrying about 
firm culture. They're worried about, you know, team management. They're worried about, you know, the systems and, and, and things that they have in place versus you're hitting that ground running with whatever idea that you have. And you just, you're like hell bent on making it work. However it works. Exactly. And you change as you need to. You're actually more flexible and you have a bit, a, a different type of fire underneath you in order to, to keep moving. That's so, right. Get um, through level one. Don't worry about anything else. Level one is probably your first dozen customers. <laughs> You'll exactly. know more, more, much more do, doing that than you will five years of the other stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So, so this is pretty cool. So you were able to, you know, bootstrap your way through, you know, multi-million billion dollar company. Um, but you also run other companies. Is that correct? So yeah, my first business was 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 my traditional landscaping company. I mm-hmm. I built that up to ten million a year in revenue. Sold it and retired, and then did a bunch of investing after that. I invested in real estate. I invested in some other startups. I invested in some other small businesses, and that set me up to where I didn't have to work anymore, and I could just kind of do what I wanted to do. What I realized about myself was that you know I was wired to want to be in the game. Uh, that my business was the thing that lends me purpose to my life that my project that I'm working on is the thing that causes me to get out of bed in the morning that lends like an interesting storyline to my life. And so that's why I started GreenPal, you know, eight, nine years ago. And so now, you know, being able to focus on, on, on GreenPal and run it like I want to run it and not be beholden to like a short-term profitability. I've never taken a paycheck from GreenPal and, uh, and just reinvested everything back into it has, has put me in a unique situation to where I could build it and self-fund it and also like look at my revenue streams from other investments and businesses and, and not have to be beholden to like green pal to, you know, pay for my groceries that week. And so that's what allowed me to get through the first two or three years and my co-founders. Uh, and I didn't really plow all my money back into like green pal. I, I kind of had to sink for its supper. You know, we didn't like, I didn't, I didn't put all the proceeds from the first business into the second and many, for many reasons, because I never really wanted to ever mow another yard ever again in my entire <laughs> life. Like I, I, I hate the smell of uh, cut grass. And so uh, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't want to go backwards. And so that's how it unfolded for me, you know, and that's one thing I tell entrepreneurs is like, they want to, they want to start this big, huge business and they're like, well, I can't raise capital for it. Therefore I can't do it. So I'm stuck. And the reality is, it's like, well, maybe that eight figure or, or you know, that, that $10 million business you want to start. Yeah, you can do that. But let's get a single under your belt. Let's get a double under your belt. Let's start a traditional style business. Maybe it's something you can start consulting company, a marketing business, hell, a hot dog stand, whatever. Right. And like, let's let's get a couple hundred grand of revenue going, a track record, and then you can go for the big one. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of ease your way into it. That's how it kind of unfolded for me. Yes. But you also... Um you said you founders, you had founders. So you also had um, like a collective mind, uh, a mastermind, if you will, of people who are on the same path, right? So you had some sort of guidance and direction um, with the team. And you also had to manage teams as you got, as you got not older, as you got <laughs> bigger um, with your company. So right. I can imagine how, how difficult was that for you? Because I know team building is a hell of an exercise for a lot of people. Um, just trying it's hard. to grow. Yeah. And it's hard. Um, and so like in every company, there's kind of like three phases. There's the startup, the grow up and the scale up. The startup is like we were talking about passing out door hangers. Let's just get our first hundred customers. Let's get the idea going. Let's figure out a product that people actually want. The grow up is like, okay, people are using it. And, and so now we're doing, you know, 500,000 million, maybe 3 million in revenue and we're growing up. 
And then there's a scale up. And so the scale up is like, you know, knocking on nine figures. Maybe we might go public one day, all that stuff. I'm really good at like the first two phases. And, uh, and, and in like the middle of the second phase, the grow up is, is team building. What gets you from grow up scale up is people, is teams, is people that are focused on, on their specialties and they're just flat out better at it than you. And what I have found is um, it's really hard to build teams around you unless you've done some aspect of whatever it is you're trying to delegate. So like if you're, if you're just you and a co-founder or two co-founders and you're trying to make your first five hires, a lot of times people will try to delegate this stuff before they've done any of it. And so they don't really have any sort of like uh, understanding for what they're delegating, for how to delegate it, what to expect, who to hire, how to lay out a, 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 a standard operating procedure. So my advice is, is like, you got to be like pretty good at everything and you have to do a lot of these things yourself for a period of time. And then you can start to delegate them and build out that team around you because you've done some of it. So I, I know how to code. I know how to design. I know how to do SEO. I know how to write content. I know how to do copywriting. Not well, but I can do all of these things like 80, 20 well. Mm -hmm. So when I go to hire a full-time designer, a full-time copywriter, a full-time search engine optimization analyst, I kind of know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And so so when you go from like zero employees to your first five, which is like a make or break the company decision, you really kind of want to be 80, 20 good at all of these things. Right. The, the analogy I like to use is, is Super Mario Kart. Uh, back in the day, I used to play a ton of Super Mario Kart and you had like, you had, yeah, okay. So you know what I'm saying? You had like six drivers and every one of these drivers was like really good at something like princess was really fast off the line. Bowser was the fastest in the game, but he was like slow accelerator toad mm -hmm. handled really well. Um, and so they all kind of had their specialty, but then you had Mario who was like half-ass good at everything. And he wasn't really the best driver to, you know, if you knew what you were doing in the game, he wasn't really the guy you wanted, but if you were just getting started, it was a good driver to pick. And that's kind of like the analogy I use in business. Like you want to be Mario good at, you know, just good enough at a lot of these things. And then when you start to build the team, you know what you're looking for. And that's what's worked for me. It's hard to, like you said, it's hard to delegate something when you haven't touched it. You don't know what's, what kind of work goes into it. Um, and when, when you're talking about like web designers or website or copywriting, um, it's kind of hard to tell them what you want when you don't know right. <laughs> exactly what goes into it, what, what you want, what you need, that type of thing. Um, exactly. You can give better direction, right? Not, um, however, um, I, accounting, everybody needs to know that, but me and numbers, we don't, we don't work well at that. So, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, e but even, even, you know, I, I know accounting too. I, I hate bookkeeping, but I, you know, you know enough degree, about it though, know right? enough to know enough to know what I'm looking for in a CPA. You know, right. I, I feel you on that though. Spreadsheets give me a headache. Yeah. But, but you also need to know how to manage your money. Right. So right. it's just, you know, with other people managing your money, you need to be able to manage them that manage your money. So exactly. we don't. <laughs> and, and you got to come up from the bottom. You got to do yeah. your own bookkeeping for a period of time. So you know what you're looking for. You know what the report exactly. should say. You know, you know, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to size every now and then it does work, you yeah. know, but I think, I think a lot of times you either it's a disaster or you get lucky mm -hmm. and, uh, and like, you know, hope's not a strategy. So it's like, it's best to do, especially in the early days to do a lot of these things yourself. And then, and then you can delegate from, uh, from stewardship. It's like, mm -hmm. I've done it. I know what I expect. This is how we do it. This is what, this is when I want it back. This is what it should cost. This is what it should look like. And it's a stewardship thing, not like abjuration, which is like, I don't like that. You handle it. It scares me. That's usually doesn't, usually doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs>
I don't see in too many instances where it actually works. It, like you said, either <laughs> it comes in a me. disaster or it works, right? <laughs> yep, and then you have to fight your way through the disaster just trying to get make it out of the weeds. So That's that right. I, <laughs> I understand. And I always think it's their fault. <laughs> exactly. When but it's you my just fault. don't know. Right. Like, but you just <laughs> don't know enough to know it's kind of your fault there, dude. That's but, right. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, I just want to say thank you for today. This has been an awesome interview um, going through all these things. So I got two questions to ask you as I ask everybody. Um, So what advice do you have for those just starting on the same journey as you? Yeah, you know, it's like are entrepreneurs born or are they made? You know, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody, oh, everybody needs to go start a business because I don't know necessarily that's the right advice. You know, there's a multiple paths to 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 success in life and, and however you measure that. So if you're thinking about starting a business, um, you know, for me, it's been like the greatest thing I've ever done with my life, but it's also been like the hardest thing too. And, you know, you can look at your life as almost like you're writing your own story. You're writing a storyline to your life. And what's that book going to be? And the business can be the thing that makes the storyline interesting. It certainly has been that for me, you know, the ups and downs that I've gone through in my life. My business is usually the thing that's causing that and causing the the low points and the challenges and then the triumphs. It's almost been like the storyline to my life for, for the last 22 years. So if you can think about like your life in the context of, are you going to go sit in a cubicle somewhere and just kind of like just plug away and, and, and be a part of the matrix? Or are you going to like create an interesting storyline for your life? The business can be the thing to do that. So that would be my advice to people if they're thinking about starting, like look at it that way. And that might inspire you. Perfect. Thank you for that. And second question, what is your or how do you define the success for yourself? So two ways um, on a, a personal level, like success for me is personally, like if I'm moving forward and like I'm not the, I'm not recognizable based on the person I was last year or two years or three years ago, I think to do, if you're doing business well, you should evolve into a whole new person every two or three years. So you should know new things. You should know new people. You should, your bank account should look better. Like your, you should have more customers and you you should be evolving into a new person, more humble, wiser. Um, you should, you should like literally uh, be a more enjoyable person to be around because, because starting a business is like one of the most humbling things you can do. And I know that's the case for me. And you know, I just, it's, it's definitely helped me become a better, wiser person. And that's one thing I love about business. I think so in personal, on a personal level, that's one, one way I measure success. The other, the other way is like, am I bringing up the people around me? Like, um, my co-founders, my, my customers, my stakeholders, like, is their life somehow better in some small way or big way? Because, you know, they're, they're in the game with me. That's a lot of fun. You know, that's one thing that's gotten me through a lot of the low points in, in 20 years of business was the kind of that benevolence to, to co-founders and employees. So that's kind of on an internal and external level, how I, how I measure success in business. Very right, cool. Thank you. I think that's one of the more intricate answers I've received with those, with those two questions. So that's pretty cool. And I like awesome. The way that you've uh, you've worded it, how, the dynamic of it. So, um, thank you for that. Um, I appreciate so, it. <laughs> tell people where they can find you and what you currently got going on. Yeah. So, anybody who wants to reach out to me, I, I spend all my time on Instagram in terms of social. So, you can hit me up there, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. And then, uh, anybody who doesn't want to waste time mowing your own yard, just download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store. Okay. Cool. I'll be sure to include those links in the show notes. 
Um, but again, thank you, Brian. This has been a wonderful conversation. And um, to everybody listening, thank you for listening. And be sure to subscribe, like, and share the channel. And that wraps up another episode of the 1% Factor Podcast. If you'd like to experience more of this and want to learn how to build a calm, intentional, and impactful business outside of the hustle culture society you live in, go to thefocusceo.co forward slash 1%.